Good evening, church. Good evening. You're very, very welcome to our service here this evening at Living Hope Belfast. If you'd like to come and find a seat, and then we're going to stand and we're going to worship together.
So we're going to hear our next song, Testimony this evening from Colin. So Colin, if you want to come up and share. Good evening, church. Can you hear me okay? Um, just like to say, Pastor Reese asked me to pick a song. Get my thoughts on it. 
So I picked God, you're so good. It's a song I really like because God is so good. And my granddaughter Aria came out of the kids space. Here she comes again. <laughs> better than making me. <laughs> she came out of kids' space uh, one day a while back there, so she did. And she seen me standing along the front here. There was a crowd of us because Pastor Matt had actually called people up if they wanted prayer said for them. So I was up and Aria actually seen me. So she came up and stood beside me. So she did. And uh, stood beside me, I don't know, maybe five, ten seconds. And she actually ran on the stage and joined the team, so she did. <laughs> she lifted the microphone and she started singing. And the song was, God, You're So Good. And Aria's favorite song is, God, You're So Good. And if you ask her, she'll tell you. What's your favorite song? God, You're So Good. There you are. So Aria comes down with me on a Sunday. Coming down the car, I have this on a CD, so Aria sings this in my car. Going home, she sings it, and now she started singing it at home and in other people's houses too. So she does. So um, she sung away there with the team, and Rebecca, who she loves down here, she actually stood with Rebecca, because Rebecca was playing the guitar that day, and Rebecca's her friend, so she actually even went over to her. So um, let's see where we are. If you ask Arya, she'll tell you God is so good. So, so when we listen or we sing this song ourselves, so we do some of the words throughout this song just tell us how good God is. Like I start a song, Amazing Love That Welcomes Me, The Kindness of Mercy. The love God has for us is truly amazing. There's no greater love than the love that the Lord, the God has for us, so is not. And uh, Behold the Cross tells us to look at the cross that the Lord Jesus went to for us. And that's God sending his son to this earth for people like us and the Lord Jesus coming to this earth going to the cross for us and when you read about everything else he went through it was truly amazing nobody else could have done it only him so I couldn't um, so, uh, where is it again? so for us God is so good the dead are raised sinners saved the work of your power I am blessed I am called I am healed I am whole I am saved in Jesus name we are blessed, church. We really are blessed, so we are. And it is all thanks, praise, honor, and glory to God. Because he does love us so much. So he does. And should this life bring suffering, Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me, both now and forever. And again, it tells us, the Son of Man, going to the cross for us. And in this life, whatever comes your way, God is so good to us, he will bring you through it. You pray to God, you leave it with him. God brings you through it. And I know we do get caught up in things at times, as I I often do, but I've been brought through it. 
and I'll always be brought through it, so I knew you well too. Uh, if you're saved and you have God in your life, you have, you've asked the Lord Jesus into your life, his wonderful, precious son. So you have, and you have Father God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So you do, if you're saved. So God is there along with his son and the Holy Spirit that will help you along with everything. And a wee verse here I wanted to read was Isaiah chapter 41 and 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God, you are so good. And I just thank you so much for being so good to not just me, to all of us. He loves every single person. So he does, and he's there for you as well. And uh, another wee verse here just, it just tells us about God that I wanted to read again. It's Psalm 113, and it's verses 2 to 6. And it's, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever, from the raising of the sun to its setting, to the name, to the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above all the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? No one but the Lord God. He is so loving and kind as well. Hallelujah. I just praise his wonderful name. So I do. That's why I'm here. And I just wanted to thank him. This song really hits home to me. And it's great for us to sing songs and praise God. So it is. That's why we're here. Give God the praise. And thank him because he is so loving and kind as well. Thank you, church. Church, let's stand and sing this together. Soul and Jesus. Are 
Church, you may take your seats. Amen. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Colin. God is good. I don't know if you're um, new to this. Uh, I don't know if maybe um, church isn't high up your agenda. Somebody just invited you here tonight. Um, this this isn't where you would usually be. And like, it's interesting, we're standing there singing that chorus, God, you're so good. And maybe you're, maybe you're thinking, like, that's easy for them to say, though, because, like, look at their lives. They're down in this nice wee holy club, and, you know, everybody's so lovely to them, and, 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 and life's just great. And it's easy for them to say they don't, they don't know what my life is like. We stand and sing this well, obviously we don't sing it every week, but we declare that God is so good in every single season of our lives. And there's so many people here who will tell you that in the most difficult seasons of their lives, in the times when they have struggled the most, they would still declare that God is good because he is he has saved us, and, and even, even Colin as well. Colin's had his own battles, and, and, and even, um, even, even now, you know, his, his story and what he is going through, the fact that he stands here and he says that God is so good, that's not something to be taken lightly, but it's what we hold fast to. It's what we, we hold to. We hold the truth. See, we know that God is ultimately good. We know that every good thing that we have comes from him. And, and it doesn't mean that our lives are all together. It just simply means that we know that the God that we serve is good because he has saved us. Because he sent his son Jesus to the earth to die on the cross to be resurrected from the dead and with that to give us eternal life. He offers us life and offers us life to the full. We think that when we live outside of Christ that we live this awesome full life. You have no idea and that's okay. Maybe you don't. You don't know. I hope that, um, that tonight 
Might be a night where your eyes are open. Maybe tonight you will know. You'll, you'll get it. You'll get that, that God has a plan for your life that has led you here. That you're not, just, you're not just here because somebody invited you. That you're here because God placed you here. That you're here on purpose. You're here on purpose for a purpose. Church, we're looking at highs and lows. And for those who haven't been with us, just briefly allow me to explain that. Um, simply, we've been looking at different people in the Bible. And we've been looking at their lives. We've been looking at moments in their lives. We've been looking at the... the the, uh, the, the stretch of their lives, their journey with God. And we've been looking at the fact that in that, that there is these moments of great victory and there are moments of defeat, that there are highs and there are lows, just as we have them too. Those who know Christ will know all too well that we live a life of highs and lows. We've looked at Moses, we've looked at Elijah, we looked at Peter, and tonight we look a guy named Paul and when I was given Paul I thought wow what 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 do you say about this this man this man who 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 ended up penning half of the New Testament who who encourages us so much who 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 penned the words that we walk by faith and not by sight. He, he, he writes some of the most famous scripture that we read. If God is for us, who can be against us? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Um, do not be conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And everything, give thanks. And what we'll come to at the end, he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that is incredible that, that, that one man has such influence and yet still with, with all of these things that he pens, with, with the life that he lived, he was simply a servant before his God. He was simply pointing to his heavenly father. He was simply glorifying God in everything that he would do and say. And, and we'll come to this at the end as well. But what can we learn from the life of Paul? If God can save him, God can save anyone. Because, yeah, this is where, this is where he ends up. All of the, the great things that I talked about there, that's what comes. But before that, this is a guy who's on a journey that, that surprises people. And we'll come to that as well. But people don't. People don't believe that this is a guy who would ever stand up and glorify Christ. That he would stand up and he would say Jesus is the hope of the world. But yet he is the one doing that. If God can save him, he can save anyone. And, and the story of Paul, the life of Paul, it tells us that anyone can be a witness for Jesus Christ. Because yeah, he lived a certain life before that wasn't one that glorified God. He, he, he lived a life that was pretty damning in fact. And, and it should have been that his, his testimony was compromised. Or maybe what he, what he would say wouldn't 
hold as much weight but in fact it was the opposite because of who he was before and now he was saying all of these things he was glorifying Jesus Christ in fact his words had more impact they had more of an emphasis because of who he was before in church anybody can surrender completely to God even if you think you have it all together even if you think you know the answers even if you're head you feel is wrapped around it all even if you think you know the truth so did this guy and then one encounter one moment it revealed to him his life's purpose his goal in life and that is to glorify Christ that God would use him and so we're going to talk a bit we're going to we're going to um, go through some aspects of the life of the apostle Paul Because it is far from ordinary church. He was given the opportunity to do extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. The story of Paul is a story of redemption in Jesus Christ. And a testimony that nobody is beyond the saving grace of God. That being said, to gain the full measure of the man, we need to recognize that there was lows. There was a dark side. And what he, what he symbolized before becoming the apostle of grace. Paul's early life, it was marked by violence. It was marked by relentless persecution. And not just of anybody, of the church of Jesus Christ. Fortunately, the latter years of Paul's life, they showed a difference. As he lived his life for Christ. And for the advancement of his kingdom. This is why Paul is such a great study for highs and lows. He lived a turbulent life. Life which God used for his glory. And and, and unlike Elijah that we looked at last Sunday. There's there's an awful lot of background on Paul. And we're actually going to talk about that. Because Paul wasn't always um, Paul. And what I mean by that is that Paul was a different title initially. Paul was Saul. And so I want to ask the question, who was Saul? Who was Paul? Um, Owen, can you click on the first slide of that PowerPoint? And then hopefully it'll let me click through. Thank you, mate. Paul was born as Saul. And he was born a very different person. And we'll get on to that later on. He was born in Tarsus in Cilicia around AD 1 to 5 in a province in the southeastern corner of modern day Turkey. And it says that circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Other translations would say blameless. He was of Benjamite lineage. He was a Hebrew ancestry. His parents were Pharisees, passionate. Jewish nationalists, they adhered strictly to the law of Moses. They wanted to protect their children from the contamination of the Gentiles. They wanted to keep them away from the outside world. They wanted to keep them away from anything that that they didn't know. 
that, that was outside of the law in which was given to them. Anything Greek would likely have been despised in Saul's household, yet he could speak Greek and passable Latin as well. An educated man, his household would have spoken Aramaic, which was the official language of Judea. And Saul's family were Roman citizens, but viewed Jerusalem as truly sacred and a holy city. Says this as well, Acts 22 and verse 3. I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I stuttered, I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. Paul. Paul, Saul, as a teenager, was sent to Judea to learn from a rabbi named Gamaliel, under whom Saul mastered Jewish history, the Psalms, and the works of the prophets. Church, he was educated different to other disciples, different to even um, Peter, as we heard of this morning different to the other to to the disciples to other apostles his education continued there for five or six years as he learned such things as dissecting scripture it was during this time that he developed um, this style of teaching like a question and answer almost apologetic and he he was helped by rabbis to debate the finer points of Jewish law, either to defend or prosecute those who broke it. And Saul was zealous for his faith, and this faith did not allow for compromise. It's the zeal that led Saul down the path of religious extremism. Church, this is a guy who studied the scripture. This is a guy who lived a very disciplined life, who, who thought that he had it all figured out, who had his head wrapped around it, and everybody else, they were all nuts. They were living the wrong lives. Those, those who confessed Jesus as Lord, how dare you? Who are you? This law has been given to us by God. And this is what he attempted to defend. And yet in the same, in the same manner, he also breaks what it was that God was setting out to do on the earth. And in Acts we read of Peter as well. Peter delivering his defense of the gospel and of Jesus in front of the Sanhedrin. And it, and it tells us that Saul would have heard this. He, he was present as this message was delivered to the council. Um, and Gamaliel was also present and delivered a message to calm the council and prevent them from stoning Peter. Saul might also have been at the trial of Stephen. This verse points to the extent of his involvement. If this is what we look at, it's in Acts chapter 7 and verse 58. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the young witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. 
He was present for stoning and death. He held garments of those who did it after Stephen's death. Here's what takes place. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Taylor, could I ask you to shut that wee door for me? Thank you very much. Listen, there's no Tuesday night meeting. You can go and enjoy it then. Tonight, you know what I mean? They just give us five minutes off, like. Imagine casting a prayer meeting for loyalism. God forgive us. I don't know how you move on to this, because I guess isn't, it's not great, like, but here we go. So Saul becomes, he's determined. Do you know what? If nothing else, he's determined. And it's interesting that this is a characteristic that would, it would stay with him. It doesn't necessarily leave him. And we become new creations in Christ. Christ offers us a new heart and a new life. But often the things that we were skilled at, the things that, um, the things that we used before, we can then turn around and use to the glory of God. This is a guy who was intellectual. This is a guy who was passionate. This is a guy who... Um, was determined and then once he has an encounter with Christ while he becomes determined he becomes passionate for all of the right things he becomes passionate and determined for the glory of God church this is how Jesus Christ changes lives because this man he he knew all that he knew and he used it to persecute the church And then he has an encounter with Jesus Christ. And what happens then is he moves from persecuting the church to advancing it. And God changes his perspective. He changes how he lives his life. But a lot of what he used before, he uses now to the glory of God. He uses later to God's glory. And and as I said, he was determined. He was actually determined to eradicate Christians, Christ followers, ruthless. He He believed that he was acting in the name of God. And arguably, there's nothing more frightening than that. Than than somebody who thinks that they're doing the will of God. And Saul thought he was doing this to the point of killing innocent people, sentencing them to their death, sentencing those who worship Jesus. This is exactly what Saul of Tarsus did. He began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. And church, as we have talked about, There's a pivotal moment in this man's life where he thought before this that it all clicked. He thought that he knew he had had studied. He had been under great teachers. 
He, he had been led down a path where he was absolutely convinced until Christ, until one moment in Acts chapter 9 in which Paul would meet Jesus Christ on a road from Jerusalem to Damascus. Paul was angered by what he had seen. He was filled with rage against Christians, against the church. Before departing on his journey, he asked the high priest for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. That's where he was going. Asking for permission to bring any Christians back to Jerusalem to throw them in prison. And on the road, Saul was caught in a bright light from heaven that caused him to fall face down on the ground and he heard the words, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He replied, who are you, Lord? Jesus answered directly and clearly, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. A revelation, a, a moment in which his, his eyes were opened but also shut. It's, it's fascinating. Like from that moment, Paul's life, it was turned upside down. The light of the Lord actually blinded him in this encounter. And as he traveled, he had to rely on his companions, those who were with him. And as instructed by Jesus, he continues to Damascus because Christ had told him to. So in this, in this encounter, he continues to go forward. And he has to make contact with a man called Ananias, who was hesitant at first to meet Saul because he knew Saul's reputation as an evil man. See, he was known before this, before everything that we read that is still an encouragement to the church today. What he was known for before was evil. And this, this person of God was hesitant to meet with him. And yet, here's what, here's what was said. Go this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Ananias followed the Lord's instructions. He found Saul on whom he laid hands and told him his vision of Jesus Christ. And through prayer, Saul received the Holy Spirit. He regains his sight and he was baptized. Church, one encounter and his mission in life, his purpose for everything, completely turned around, a, a going in an entirely different direction. He was entirely, he was entirely changed. This encounter with Christ, it, it, it changes everything for him. Everything that he knew, everything that he was going to do, it changes it all. 
Saul immediately went into the synagogues after he was baptized. He regains his sight and he goes into the synagogues and proclaimed, Jesus is the Son of God. The people were amazed. They were skeptical because his reputation was well known. Are you serious? This is the man who had, who, who had nothing but, but hatred for those who were proclaiming such things. What are you doing? What do you know? Who is this that stands before us in the synagogue and tells us that Jesus is the Son of God? But, but he did know. Because he had had an encounter with Christ. And what he wanted to do was he wanted to share with others, I was wrong. But now I know. The, the Jews thought he had come to take away the Christians. Because that, that was his intention. But he had in fact joined them. Saul's boldness increases as the Jews living in Damascus were completely confounded by his arguments, proving that Jesus was the Christ. That Jesus was the one that they had been waiting for. They thought that he was coming to take them away. They thought that he was coming to throw them in prison. And then he comes and he says, Jesus is who he says he is. Saul spent time in so many different places, so many different um, towns and cities. He was teaching those in the church. And interestingly, the Christians driven out of Judea by the persecution that arose after Stephen's death, they founded the multiracial multi church. And, and you can find that in Acts chapter 11. And Saul, then, his life's goal, his mission, it changed forever, church. I can't emphasize this enough. This is what one encounter with God does. It completely ratifies our thinking. I don't know what you thought coming here tonight, but can I encourage you that if, you're, if, you're, if your eyes are opened, if you feel that God is saying something to you, there's an opportunity for your life to be changed forever. See, here's a man who was persecuting the church, then has an encounter with God, is preaching Jesus as the Christ, and then writes half the New Testament. He writes letters to the churches. He, the, he, he, is, he is put forward... He is given a mission and he lives it out. He does it too as we, as we began at the beginning. He does it in every season as well, church. He does it in every moment because, because after, after his, his eyes are opened, after his perspective is shifted, it's not 
all, it's, it's not all good, it's not all lovely, it doesn't become this great, like I'm going to go here and I'm going to preach and they're going to think it's brilliant and then I'm going to go here and I'm going to preach and they're going to be like, wow, this guy's testimony is amazing, we're going to have to have him in our church and he's going to go there and he's going to share his testimony. And yes, he goes from place to place. He encourages the church. But he also goes to prison. He is also persecuted himself. He knows what it is to suffer for Christ. And yet, in those moments in jail, in those moments under the most severe of persecution, he still says that Christ is a saviour and he still, he still glorifies God and he still encourages the church. Why does he do this? Because church, he knows. He learns the secret. We think we have it all figured out. We think that we have it all together. I don't have a headache, by the way. It's roasting, so I'm just sweating, and I'm trying to get it away, but it's just not happening. He, he knows and he wants to share. He's been given a new mandate, and he is preaching for Christ. Church, we began... And we finish. What can we learn from the life of Paul? Thank you so much. Thank you, mate. What can we learn from the life of Paul? The church God can save anyone. Paul's story repeats itself every day as sinful broken people all over the world are transformed by God's saving grace in Jesus Christ. If God can save this man this man who was so against it he can save anyone. There, there are people all across the world just like him who have been transformed by God's grace people who have done some of the most despicable things to other human beings for different causes while some just try to live a life thinking that God will smile on them one day when we read the story of Paul we are amazed that God would allow into heaven an extremist, somebody who would, who would sentence people to death. The story of Paul is a story that can be told today. Because church, he isn't worthy in our eyes of a second chance, of any chance. And yet God grants him mercy. The truth is, is that God granted this man mercy, and if he did, God can save anyone. Anyone can be a witness for Jesus Christ. Arguably nobody else in the Bible, no other human figure in the Bible, demonstrates more humility while sharing the gospel of Christ than Paul. And this is a guy who, who knows, who has had an encounter 
who, who is intelligent, who is articulate, and yet nobody, nobody comes across more humble than him. Can I encourage you, no matter your story, you have a story. No matter what it, what it has looked like for you to be here and be found in Christ, you are found in Christ and therefore you're called to witness for him. You are called to be his witness on earth. And church, finally, anyone can surrender completely to God. Anybody can give their lives over to God. You think of the people, you think of the people in your life who you've given up on. Or the people you just think, nah, they've no interest. I've stopped asking them. Stop asking them to come. Stop asking them about God because every time I do, it's awkward. The people you think are the furthest away, anyone can surrender completely to God. Believe and pray for those who you believe are the furthest away. Because those are the people that God needs to do a transforming, miraculous work in. But he can do it because he did it. He can do it because he continues to do it. Church, anybody can surrender completely to God. Philippians 1 and 21. Paul, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. And what he, what he means by that is that every day since he was called by Jesus, since he knew his purpose in life, he lived to glorify God and he would continue to live to the glory of God because every day that he had was given to him by God. And then it says, to die is gain. That's a strange statement. But Paul knows the truth. That when his time on earth is up, when his days finish, then then the journey in which he has been on, well, he is offered, he is given eternal life. See, to die is to gain what it is that he was living for. He was living to glorify Christ. And when that time comes, then he will be with his saviour. When all is said and done, can we make the same claim? Is it, is it of gain? Can we say the same as him? I hope that you know Christ as your saviour and and I hope that you treasure that relationship with him. I hope that you don't just come to church. I hope that you treasure this relationship that you have been given. I hope that you understand the access that you have been given. I hope that you realise the privileged position that you are in. 
I pray that you're known by God. In church, I thank God that we can be found and that we can be saved by him. I'm going to invite Rebecca up. We're going to finish with a song. Allow me to pray, church. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of those in your word, God. Thank you, God, for the truth that is there. Thank you, God, for all of it. God, for for what we press on toward. Thank you that it is upward. That it is glory. Thank you for all that is promised to us. Help us to glorify you in all that we do. In your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. Church, let's stand and worship. Let it be Jesus. First name that I call. Let it be Jesus. My song inside the storm. I'll never need another. For me to live is Christ. For me to live.
message about your servant Paul we thank you for the example and the the dramatic transformation in his lives and the encouragement that it is to each and every one of us help us this week as we part and go our separate ways to think about that scripture that says for me to live as Christ and to die is gain help us to keep that on our hearts this week as we walk with you and we talk with you we ask you to bring us back safely next week in the name of your precious son Jesus